welcome to The B-Sides, a podcast for progressives who love pop music. We're your hosts. I'm Hannah. I'm Mimi. And I'm Becky. Tune in for new episodes every other Wednesday to hear our conversations on pop's place in our world. And the music you should put in your ears to fuel your reckoning with the trash fires all around us. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to The B-Sides. Hello. Hello. This is a podcast for people who can tell you exactly where they were when Kelly Clarkson won American Idol just as easily as they can 9-11. And, you know, we're so we're so glad that you're here. And that's a little sneak peek. But today we're going to talk about Kelly Clarkson and why she's lasted so long in the pop culture zeitgeist. But uh, before we get to that, some housekeeping. Uh, Make sure you've subscribed if you haven't already. We come out every other Wednesday, so subscribing makes it easier to keep up and open up the description for this episode to find out other ways to join this internet home. And some quick announcements. Uh, First, if you want to support the show, you can do that on Patreon. For $5 a month, you'll receive one playlist a month, behind-the-scenes content, and one bonus mini-episode a month. Yeah, so we just want to do a quick shout-out to Maria L., Emily K., Hannah M., Celeste L., Indigo TH, Hannah B., Brett S., Margot B., Katie S., and Jordan W. You are our heroes. Join us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash the B-Sides. And secondly, we have a merch store front on TeePublic, which the link is also in the show notes. So basically, we're in a lot of places on the internet. So join us on the internet. We love that this podcast is more than just a podcast. It's a home on the internet for progressives who love pop. Link to join our group chat, aka our Discord, is in the show notes. Join us on Instagram, which is where we probably speak directly with you all the most. And we have a TikTok, Twitter, and a Facebook too. All are linked in the show notes. So those are all the ways you can connect with us. And we want to give a shout out to another podcast you can connect with. Um, We wanted to recommend... Another great new podcast we've become podcast friends with called How to Do the Pot. So if you like a little cannabis with your pot music, check out How to Do the Pot, a show that demystifies cannabis for women and answers all the questions that people are Googling about weed, including everything there is to know about the munchies, edibles, and cooking with weed. It's hosted by um, a wonderful host named Ellen Scanlon and the short weekly episodes of How to Do the Pot inspire listeners to feel confident about cannabis for health, well-being, and fun, and get creative about what to do with it from incorporating it into your sex life or your food. And Ellen also shares women's the first time I bought legal weed stories. So how to do the pot is a delightful mix of storytelling and practical tips and expert advice. If you want to hear how women are exploring cannabis and have all your questions answered, listen to how to do the pot wherever you get your podcast. And if you're unsure where to start, um, we suggest episode 139, which was our number one tip for enjoying edibles. That's the title. Totally blew our minds. Great show. Um, And yeah, we're excited to tell you about it. How to do the pot. Yes. And there's no segue appropriate, uh, except maybe you like to to smoke some weed while you watch American Idol. You know, maybe Kelly Clarkson. This had to do the pot. Maybe there'll be an edible line in her future. I don't know, but let's let's get into it. <laughs> there are flashpoints in our history where everyone can tell you where they were. JFK's assassination. If you're my parents, 
the Boston Marathon bombing. Our collective memories are important. They bond us. They influence our attitudes and identities. And ultimately, they shape how we see our future. Collective memories are critical for human bonding, giving folks a connection across all backgrounds, kind of like why we're all here with this podcast for our, you know, our love of podcasts, our love of podcasts and pop music. And, you know, so it's cool. I don't know. I think it's cool. I was an American studies major and a lot of American studies is this kind of belief. Yes. Yes. And we're here for our love of chatting as well. So a week before the one year anniversary of 9-11 on September 4th, 2002, we were all gathered around our television awaiting the future crowning of the first American Idol winner. Will it be Justin Guarini? No, it'll be from Justin to Kelly. So I think we all, you know, this is before we knew what American Idol really would be. It was all at this moment about Kelly Clarkson and soon about that movie from Justin to Kelly, but that's for another time. So I can tell you, I think, where I was, and then I'm curious if you both knew where you were when Kelly was crowned. Um, I think I was in the den at my parents' house after dinner with our neighbors. I have like some sort of recollection of that. But then I looked up, um, I looked up Kelly's win again on YouTube earlier. And I was like, wait, I don't know if this looks exactly the same. Cause I remember like confetti happening and I'm not seeing much of that, but maybe that was, maybe that was later. It was like a one minute clip. So yes. There was and confetti no. in your mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's really unclear. You know, memories are are slippery like that. So uh, yes and no, but mostly yes. Hannah, how about you? Okay. Even though we said that this is a podcast of people who do remember where they were, I do not remember where I was. I'm so sorry to this wonderful woman. Um, my memory of this, I did not watch American Idol the first season. So my memory of this is... Um, someone coming into school the next day and talking about it and being legitimately floored that I hadn't watched. And I felt really like, well, I don't know. I was, I don't know. I was doing other things. Mm. <laughs> I just remember being like, I didn't know I was supposed to. So I remember that moment, but I don't remember where I was in the exact moment. Big yikes. Uh, this Big is a cultural yikes. standpoint for me. I uh, remember clearly I was sitting in my mom's bed on the Upper West Side. We were watching from the very beginning and I had voted repeatedly for Kelly and we were so excited to see oh. her win and it was extra fun because it meant I got to stay up late and it probably is part of the reason why I love reality tv all right let's go over what American Idol is and was very quickly so American Idol um which is based on a British show pop idol that was or is a reality show competition where undiscovered singers perform in front of a panel of judges and hope to make it in Hollywood. Um, originally, many networks actually rejected the idea. Apparently, Simon Cowell, you know, the, the music producer who was the crossover from Britain to American Idol, um, apparently he was a terrible salesperson. This doesn't surprise me. He later went back. He revised his plan. He made the show more of a soap opera, less of a straightforward competition, which I think you really could feel if you watched it, especially in those early days. And then after years of back and forth, it was actually TV executive Murdoch's daughter 
who ended up watching the British pop idol and pleaded with her father to buy the American show for Fox. And as they say, whatever she wants, she gets. Yeah. Big time Napa baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we can, we can thank her for Kelly Clarkson. And, you know, the premise of American Idol is very uh, American dreamy, as many reality competition shows are, like poor person from middle of nowhere. America works three jobs to keep her family afloat. Maybe a family member of hers is sick, so she can't dedicate her time to know her singing, but she's a knockout when she does karaoke and her entire family has been pleading with her to give herself some me time. So she auditions for the show. And this show has three judges who play good cop, bad cop, and medium cop, Randy, Simon, and Paula. I don't know if I would always describe them that way or in that order, but Simon, I would say, was the villain like a solid 97% of the time. We traverse these United States with these judges, hearing from thousands of singers as young as 16, both good and bad. Does everyone remember William Hung's She Bangs? I think like the cringe of the exploitation of that was truly the worst part. And you would watch with bated breath, predicting whether or not the person with the incredible or heartbreaking story could actually sing or was about to bomb. And once your favorites made it through, they were headed to Hollywood Week, where they would perform in groups or individually. And then fast forward to the semifinals. There's like 30 people left. And then we, America, got to decide. And by we, I mean you, me, your parents, your friends, all of America. We had the power to decide if this person had a music career or what was left or was left to cry into the shoulders of their family. Yeah, I remember calling for Clay Clarkson repeatedly at 10. I was hooked on this 20-year-old from Texas. Her voice was young, but beautiful, strong, and raspy. And I think that's what made her the quote-unquote most appealing was that she looked like she could be anyone. She could be your your neighbor, your friend from church. Yes, Christianity is a staying power here. Or your cousin, you're rooting for her. And on September 4th, 2002, she was crowned the winner of American Idol, singing through tears uh, to her smash hit, A Moment Like This. It was so oh, sweet. It was. Um, and you really, Justin Guarini was even happy for her. And the way that they did it, the final, if I'm remembering correctly, right, was like they would each have the the top two people would prepare the final song but only the winner got to sing it, which I always thought must be so sad for the person who lost on top of everything to like not sing a song that you prepared and probably liked. Yeah. I, I would imagine winning the first American Idol or lo- rather losing the first American Idol is weird too. Cause like you, you don't know what to expect because yeah. like now, you know, if like, which we'll get into after we take a quick break, but there's a bunch of people who have been on American Idol who have who had success in different ways, but not in the way that Kelly has. Mm-hmm. Um, So feel where you were in that moment and we'll be right back. All right. And we're back. So Kelly Clarkson isn't the only success story of the American Idol franchise. And if we're going to understand her better and, and her launching pad, we need to talk about this a little bit. There's Carrie Underwood, Adam Lambert, Clay Aiken, Fantasia Barino, Jennifer Hudson, to name a few. But Kelly seems to have the longest lasting power and has achieved the most sustained success. So before we dive deeper into what makes Kelly America's sweetheart, we want to acknowledge a few of the incredibly talented folks on American Idol who did not end up with a career like Kelly's or become longstanding household names. 
but are amazing and made a lasting impression on me personally, at least. And I'm going to, to ask what you both remember too. Okay. So I mostly want to talk about season two and three, because that's sort of like when the show became the show as a lot of shows do after first season. But I was like, who should we talk about here? So I mostly stopped watching after season three, which I will explain. But quick shout out first to season 11 winner, Philip Phillips. I always remembered him. Terrible name. Unfortunate. Horrible name. Um, I I wondered like why his parents did that. And then it turns out his dad was also named Philip. So a little less malicious. than No you creativity. Think. No creativity. But he was very hot and uniquely talented and not problematic as far as I knew. Um, and he had a few singles that were everywhere. Home, Gone, 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 circa 2013. Not not my taste in music for the most part, except his performances were great. Talented Eye Candy 2012, I fear. Okay. But anyway, Kelly was obviously compared to Justin Guarini, runner-up on season one. But the real comparisons and analysis of American Idol show up when there's more than one season to speak of. Like, like with a lot of TV shows, especially competition shows or reality shows. So first, shout out to season two winner, Ruben Studdard. Ruben is very different from Kelly. He's an R&B singer. And one of his first singles was Sorry 2004, which I remember very clearly. This song was released in early 2004 and definitely made it onto the charts, made it onto TRL, etc. But even then, I thought, this is asking for a very short shelf life. Like, yeah. here, I, you know, I love to read lyrics on the podcast. So here we go. Let me make a point here. Lyrics go, girl, this is my sorry for 2004. And I'm going to mess up no more this year. I'm going to take this one chance and make it real clear. I'm sorry for May. And I'm sorry for June, for real. And I'm sorry for July. I am. In case I don't tell you, August, September, October, November, till your December. And just in case we forgot what year it's in, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, 2004. That, that's, I was like, wow. And now, and it's like, it's a good song, but it's also, I don't know why they did that to him. Um, that song should have been about season three of American Idol, which aired in 2004 and was such an emotional roller coaster. And learning lesson about who gets empathy and accolades in America mm -hmm. and is basically the reason I stopped watching American Idol after that. Let me explain. Okay. <laughs> so by season three, as with many shows, it's like, okay, what is the show really? And this season made the biggest impact on me and actually makes me emotional to this day. Like I was like writing about this a couple weeks ago and I was like, this is, this is still quite emotional. Okay. It's still there for you. It's right at it's, the surface. It's right there. It's right there. Okay. This season had some of the most incredible talent. And the top talent came from three Black women who made it to the top seven this season. Latoya London, Fantasia Barino, and Jennifer Hudson, whom you may now have heard of, but maybe did not at the time. So with seven contestants left, America eliminated Jennifer Hudson from the competition which was like so unbelievable to me I remember this moment I remember being 
shocked. Like I was actually shocked. And so were the other contestants, it seemed like there was a sweet redheaded guy whose name I will never remember, who looked ashamed because he just knew it should have been him that was eliminated. And of course, Jennifer Hudson's now a household name. But that's quite rare, like eliminating the most talented contestants, because you couldn't possibly have black women make up a majority in the top spots is less rare than than the later trajectory of Jennifer Hudson's career. Okay, LaToya London was my actual favorite contestant ever, even though I also love Kelly. So if we're going to like touch American Idol, I have to talk about her. She was so cool and versatile and gave me chills every time she sang. Go do yourself a favor and look up on YouTube her American Idol performance of all the time. Pause this and watch it and we'll wait here all right you're back and you agree that (laughs) now that you've watched this if you didn't before you agree that this is one of the arguably the most talented contestants ever on the show and she came in fourth and I definitely cried and Fantasia ultimately won and I'm still happy for Fantasia but it's like the American Idol industrial complex could not allow multiple black women at the top three at the top of their craft to re- to represent in the top three or even the top six. And that really opened my eyes as a 13 year old white girl to de jure and de facto racism on a new level and the prevalence of white supremacy, to say the very least, in mainstream media and beyond. And so American Idol was accidentally like quite revelatory to me in that moment. And I was like, I'm done with this. Wow. Um, and that's how I feel. Do you guys remember this season at all? Was it way less dramatic for you? I do remember thinking that it was crazy that Jennifer Hudson went home so early in, um, the trajectory of it. And now, no, I wasn't as, um, as I don't want to say woke in a pejorative way, but I wasn't as (laughs) like, I didn't think about things like that when I was 13, but now weekend. Awakened. awakened yes um but looking back it makes total sense um knowing everything and all of the history that i know about reality tv and actually like kudos to american idol for having so many people of color in their uh top because it's been a major problem for a lot of the reality competition shows on cbs that in 2020 had oh. to put a man a 50 percent mandate to have people of color on their shows mm-hmm. now yeah survivor and big brother and amazing race um, are historically like white shows with token uh, people from different races. And because of that, like few people of color have ever won the show because they're not given the America amazing. Like all of those shows are racist for a lot of other reasons. And it's a totally different podcast. But in 2020, CBS is one of the only networks I believe that took a pledge. And now all of their show reality TV competition shows are 50. Actually, it might be their whole network for casting for other things. But I only watch the reality shows are 50% people of color in casting. Wow. Which is great and ensures that stuff like this, hopefully, you know, doesn't happen. Right. And there's something about the fact that America votes that young Mimi was like, if America is seeing what I'm seeing, how is America still making this decision? Like I could. And I'm yeah. sure that that was Rupert Murdoch's goal, Mimi. That mm-hmm. was what. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I do remember this. You are not blowing it up into a bigger deal. Um, I but I can't I don't remember what I understood about race from this moment. I feel like in your um 
in your explanation, like it's tickling a part of my memory that feels like maybe I thought the same thing, but I actually, I can't give my previous self um, that much credit. What I remember was that I was a Fantasia girl. So I was very happy. Like each time Fantasia got closer, that was fine with me. And my other memory from this time is that I went to Hershey Park that's the summer after. Shout out, you know, Pennsylvania girlies growing up going to Hershey Park every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And um, there was like an American Idol season three, uh, like tour happening. And so there was like, we saw a few of the people who were in the top 20. And I don't think Latoya was there, if I, I remember correctly, but Jennifer Hudson was. And we were like, so excited. And I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, right. Okay. It's not just the number one person who gets to be seen. Like, other people get to be seen and I hope Jennifer's okay. Like I remember that feeling of being yeah. like Jennifer's on a stage right now and I'm watching it and like, that's good. And I hope she stays on stages. So that's something I remember. Cause I remember being surprised when that happened too. Yeah. I don't remember the sad redhead, but I remember being like, <laughs> make any sense? yeah, no, that's very sweet. And I want to say that I still had like plenty of the fact that that was revelatory to me. Like I still had plenty of things to learn and I always have things <laughs> to learn, but I remember very clearly thinking about that and like talking to my mom about it and like <laughs> just thinking about um racism a lot but also having a million um great performances to watch from that season that you can still watch on youtube and i hope you did during this segment of our show and i do also like well and um, we'll talk about this soon now in this section but obviously kelly clarkson being like the perfect sort of like white girl from Texas has definitely been part of the reason why she is successful and has stayed mm -hmm. successful. Um, and her sustained success throughout the years reveals a lot about American society and like the quest for the evergreen sort of like golden girl. And she very much uh, ticks a lot of those boxes. But for starters, we her music is is pure saccharine. Saccharine? I can never... Saccharine? <laughs> saccharine. Saccharine. Uh, the Trouble with Love is a near-perfect ballad. Her raspy voice blankets the airwaves on that track. Since You've Been Gone is one of the best pop songs of all times, which more on that soon. Piece by Piece and Because of You hits in a deep emotional level. And throughout her past 20 years, she's expanded really as an artist. She can sing jazz, country, pop, rock, R&B, and she shines in almost all of those categories. And she's taken a lot of risks as an artist, including a, a punk album called Never Again, which uh, tanked so badly she had to cancel her tour, but it hasn't really like stopped her upward trajectory. I'm ready for her to try again at a <laughs> punk album when she's ready. I knew you would be me. <laughs> uh-huh. And so due to her staying power in the industry, Kelly has worked with a lot of different producers and called out abuse even after the fact. And although sometimes that would be a, a risk that could cause you know, a star, a star to crumble. I think um, that's only made her more likable. Like she actually seems like a good person and a tough person. And as she says, famously, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. She, I believe, came up with that. Yeah, it's her. <laughs> it's her. No one said that before thought. her. Yeah, <laughs> no one. To that point, it means that it's time to talk about bad men. This is the bad man corner of the episode. Um, behind all artists, 
is a team of songwriters, producers, a ton of people who are deeply involved in the creation of hit songs. And the reality is that many, it's actually most, if not all, for some of these situations, many of the people in these roles throughout the music industry are men. So this is our unfortunate man corner, where we talk about two music industry men that... um, we're a little rude to Kelly Clarkson, and we want to talk about them, Dr. Luke and Clive Davis. So let's start with Dr. Luke. Mimi Becky, quickly, or or, or like uh, briefly, uh, what do you know about Dr. Luke? Just the Kesha of it all. Do you want to tell us, for those of us who might not know what that refers to? Well, we have an episode where we do talk about it, so you can listen to it there, but uh, it's hard to to talk about it in two sentences, a, a lot of uh, he abused her physically and mentally and sexually, not physically, maybe, but at least sexually and mentally. Yeah, I, I think that counts. Uh, yeah, I Dr. Luke, I think, is evidence that. Like cancel culture is not real for all the people that it should be real for, you know, because he just keeps uh he's a cockroach well yeah he's done he's done like so many bad things and yet he continues to be incredibly successful and a lot of up-and-coming artists continue to work with him and certainly if cancel culture were real for uh the people who are the most like invulnerable which is who it should really target if it's going to be a thing Mm -hmm. um he would not be still as successful as he is but I agree I think the episode we did which was towards the end of season one of this podcast that you're listening to right now is is a good primer on Dr. Luke and and Kesha and um so Go listen to that too after this for more context on that. But I think, yeah, now we're gonna we're gonna talk more about another area that he uh, has destroyed. Another wonderful artist. Yeah, Um, not you know not destroyed as much as Kesha, Mm -hmm. luckily, um, but certainly uh, if you're a bad man with certain artists, you're probably gonna be like an asshole in other parts of your life. Um, So he, I mean, he's a producer that is behind a lot of the hit songs that we know and love. Um, but he's a sleazeball and Kelly Clarkson knows it. Um, and so there was this very interesting moment that happened during the writing of the song, My Life Would Suck Without You, which was a Kelly Clarkson song. Um, and th- this moment, as far as I understand, is incredibly, incredibly rare for an artist. She declined songwriting credit on the song, My Life Would Suck Without You, because he wrote it as well. And she wanted to distance herself from him. So why don't we hear right from Kelly herself? I'm going to um, play a short clip um, of Kelly. I know I just didn't want, I mean, there's a lot of times in my career where you don't see my name on a song. And that's because a lot of times I don't write, like sometimes I don't write them, but a lot of times I do change the song. Yeah. yeah. You know, in a, in a way I'm that sure probably that you should ask for credit, Yeah. but I don't because the song was already great. You know, I just made it more me. Yeah. So, and I think a lot of artists um, steal credit a lot from writers, which I think is super crappy. Yeah. Um, Because that's their livelihood. Yeah. Um, so if I deserve it, I usually ask. And I did deserve it on that song just because I changed it a bit. Um, <laughs> But I really just, 
I just didn't want to, and especially at that time, I was so frustrated that I had that I was forced to work. Like basically, they were gonna sit on my record unless I did what they wanted, and yeah. I was so frustrated because I literally said, "Anyone in the world, but this one person. I will work with anyone you want to put in my sure. path. Like I love people. I think that's apparent. Like I think I'm a nice person. Well, that's apparent. But like." It was just this one thing, and 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 I asked not to work with Doctor Luke just because I had a not a good experience with him. Sure. And um, and it was a one thing, and I and they and they just wouldn't even give it to me. And and I, even though I made the song different, and I love actually Claude Kelly, one of the rides on. I love him. Yeah. Um, he was actually it worked out to where I said, can I at least work with him and not talk with him while mm-hmm. doing it? Like you know, and and I never do that. So if an artist like me like i'm yeah you like you I'm, talk to everybody i generally love everyone yeah like it you have to really be a special kind of <laughs> jerk to, yeah let's say that for me yeah. not to yeah, like yeah. you like yeah so it's it's you know and i just had a negative experience the guy is super talented i'm not negating that like that that's a fact obviously but it just was something i didn't want to, and it, so it frustrated me and i was like you know what they brought up writing credit at the end because they were like well you changed the song and i was like I don't want my name near his. I don't even want to. I want to pretend this didn't happen in my life, mm-hmm. and I want to forget it. And like, the reason why I bring this up is not to rehash things. It's to show that from outside looking in, we people were just empowered by that statement that you made. Well, I mean, God, that, there's that's, that's hundreds why of thousands of dollars gone because of that. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can make or millions. Yeah. Actually, that song was huge. But, but I just mean, I was making a point to the people working mm-hmm. with me, going, "This is how much I didn't want to do this." Yeah, like, that I don't volumes. care about the money. Like, I don't care about, oh, you're going to be the most famous person ever if you do this. Like, yeah, that's not what holds weight in my life. So, no. Um, but yeah, so, and it, it was just hard though because everybody came up with the Kesha thing. And I was like, look, I don't know anything. Like, he didn't do anything like that with me. But, um, you have you your know, own stance on things. But I have, yeah, yeah I'm not a fan. I'm not like going to barbecue anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. So that's Kelly's sharing that with us in her own words. Um, I forgot to mention this was on an interview um, five years ago with um, on the radio station Z100. Um, I will just say I I kind of wish that she had taken a stance with Kesha just then. I thought that was an opportunity for her to say, I stand with, you know, women who, who say bad things have happened to them. So I'm a little disappointed in that, but curious, Mimi or Becky, if you have any reactions to that moment. Are you just upset she doesn't say it then? Because she does, she does say she does say she supports Cash Up, like right, 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 right. That's true. recently. That's true. I would say she's one of the only artists who like actually did say that they she supported Cash Up against Doctor Luke. Yes, thank you for that reminder. It's true. I agree. I think it would be nice in that moment, but it's good that she did in general. And what was I thought that was a great clip. Um, the one thing that I could have used less of is the interviewer like interrupting her constantly. And I think that when you're interrupted constantly, it messes with your train of thought. So who knows the direction this conversation could have gone if you weren't like, right, because you like while she's like in the middle of a thought. So that's the Dr. Luke of it all. Let's go to Clive Davis. Um, We'll do this one a little more briefly. He was the former head of RCA Records, where Kelly was first signed, and we got this info that we're sharing with you from an ET article, which cited a Variety interview. So there's a few different sources here. Okay, we're rewinding back. Kelly Clarkson is writing Because of You, an iconic, iconic 2000s ballad. And Clive Davis told her in a meeting with other people, like people around, that it was a 
shitty song because it didn't rhyme. Kelly, in recounting the story, specifically said, a group of men thought it was okay to sit around a young woman and bully her. I was told to shut up and sing, she continued. Then fast forward, it's 2013. Clive Davis wrote a memoir. And in that memoir, he said that he didn't think Kelly Clarkson was capable of co-writing any hits and described her, quote unquote, hysterical sobbing over a disagreement about Since You've Been Gone. Now, right after that, Kelly Clarkson wrote a blog post post RIP to blogs. We love blogs. And this is what she said. Kelly said, quote, I refuse to be bullied and I just have to clear up his memory lapses and misinformation for myself and for my fans. It feels like a violation. Growing up is awesome because you learn you don't have to cower to anyone, even Clive Davis. First, he says, I burst into, quote, hysterical sobbing in his office when he demanded since he'd been gone beyond my album. Not true at all. His stories and songs are mixed up. I did want more guitars added to the original demo and Clive did not. Max, Luke, and I still fought for the bigger sound and we prevailed and I couldn't be more proud of the life of that song. I resent him dampening that song in any way. But yes, I did cry in his office once. I cried after I played him a song I had written about my life called Because of You. I cried because he hated it and told me verbatim that I was a shitty writer who should be grateful for the gifts that he bestows upon me. He continued on about how the song didn't rhyme and how I should just shut up and sing. This was devastating coming from a man who I, as a young girl, considered a musical hero and was so honored to work with. But I continued to fight for the song and the label relented. And it became a worldwide hit. He didn't include that in the book. End quote. Mic drop. We believe you, Kelly. We think that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I am proud that she said all of these things. She did say a lot of this stuff in like after like 10 years after the fact when she was like more comfortable and had more um like just she like was yeah which is and it's great that she's calling these people out because she couldn't and she didn't have the power when she did um but I think something to note too that that was like 10 years after all of that the horrible shit happened to her totally totally okay end of unfortunate man corner (laughs) okay thank you for that so well, don't worry, Kelly makes some unfortunate men decisions uh, upcoming. True. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Another thing that has led to Kelly Clarkson's success, we think, is her avoiding politics. I would say, especially in the era that she came up. Of course, it was, this was a lot easier in 2002 when she went idol. There was no Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and it was the post 9-11 cultural void which I only reference in passing at this point. Um, But that's a part of this. She didn't have to answer directly to fans at all times, demanding her point of view. She could release how much or as little as she wanted to whenever. And this was like a great time to just be like subsumed if you wanted to be and, and you were white and it was like easier not to go against the grain at all, just to be sort of subsumed in this like very patriotic moment. And say very little beyond that beyond like i love the american flag but then twitter did happen and in 2011 kelly declared herself a ron a ron paul supporter after tweeting she enjoyed making cinnamon rolls with her niece she said i love ron paul 
I liked him a lot during the last Republican nomination and no one gave him a chance. If he wins the nomination for the Republican Party in 2012, he's got my vote. Too bad he probably won't. Yeah, I will say there was like no context to this tweet. She just she just tweeted it. Um, and some of her fans were were shocked, although I am not sure why anyone is shocked that a white rich woman from Texas is a libertarian. Like you could have predicted that happening. And, you know, when many fans pointed out his anti LGBT statement, she responded, she's for progress and letting people decide, not the government. And later, she then went on to kind of apologize and say, I'm really sorry I offended anyone. Obviously, that was not my intent. I do not support racism. I support gay rights, straight rights, uh, women's rights, men's rights, white, black, purple, orange rights. I like Ron Paul because he believes in less government and letting the people, all of us, make the decision and mold our country. That is all. Out of all the Republican nominees, he's my favorite. Kelly also then said she's registered R, but that she's supposedly voted for obama in 2008 which there's no way to prove that and uh after after that statement after yeah, a statement it, where you say you support purple rights it's not <laughs> straight kelly. rights <laughs> kelly read a book love yeah. you girl and you know what that's probably why she never talked about politics because that's what she you know had to say like, this wasn't fun i didn't like this yeah or that or that right-leaning uh state like never talking about politics and saying right-leaning statements in 2002 are sometimes kind of the same thing yes yeah so anyway that's real um so she's kept mostly quiet she learned from that, I guess, that she doesn't like to say much about her personal beliefs. But in January 2016, she did say, quote, I am legitimately frightened for our nation in regards to then candidate Trump. So uh, maybe that's brave. Sure. I, yeah. Um, in a 2017 interview with Billboard, she said, it's important to show my fans to believe not necessarily in something, but just to believe in general and be a part of it. I have a lot of friends who aren't into being political because most of the time we get slammed for it, but I don't care. I get slammed for so much. So just add it to the list. But I feel like folks should stand for something. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what the fuck that even means. It literally reads like something that Julia Lewis's Dreyfus, his character on Veep would say. Um, like <laughs> That's like a whole lot of, you're just like, what does that mean? Like, it's it's good if you stand for something, even if that something is fascism, but at least you stand for something. Like, it's quite a lot of bullshit, Kelly. And in 2017, no less, where you could take risks because uh, Trump was such an easy unified target. I want my fans to believe not necessarily in something, but just to believe in general (laughs) (laughs) and be a part of it and be a part of it. It's like she knows that by saying she's like, I imagine giving this interview and being like, ah, fuck, I can't like say something that strong because I don't want to lose my fans, but I'm going to say something general. And it's embarrassing. It's not easy to toe this line, but she didn't succeed. Yeah. And like, even now, Kelly has got her own TV show where she could use her platform to talk about uh, like a lot of hate that goes on in the world, but she, you know, doesn't do much of that. In fact, she steers pretty clear of it. She's repeatedly said she's here to uplift and provide positive context content, which is fair. I don't expect or need every single one, you know, every single person to start to be political, but in 2022, I think the longer, I don't think you can hide behind 
that rationale anymore. Like not saying something or choosing actively not to to do that is a statement in itself. And but in part, I think that's led to her general likability. Like she doesn't lead into any chaos. She avoids talking about issues that are seen as divisive, though I think the three of us would agree denouncing racism and homophobia is not something you like are taking a side on. It's just right. Mm -hmm. But it has unfortunately led, I think, to her general being even more famous for the past 20 years that she's only a quite a bill because she like hasn't done anything. Yeah. Like, like she made the right choice for her honestly it's just not the one that we would recommend or hope for and it's and it's i think sad as a society too that we reward someone who chooses not to take a strong stance on something that you know you shouldn't be congratulated for being brave for denouncing a lot of policies that hurt human rights yeah i mean people who think that denouncing racism and homophobia is like more divisive than racism and homophobia couldn't be me but (laughs) there she is we're happy for you kelly we love your positive content um and i don't it's a great show yes when she sings i you know i don't we talk we we talk about this a lot but you know i don't necessarily need my artist to be also my spokesperson for political beliefs but sometimes and i think in in the year of our Lord, 2022, you got to say some things. It's a responsibility for sure. When you take up space in the culture to, to have a clear like point of view, I think Taylor Swift. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it just feels so good when you know that an artist you love does have good politics. Like when Hannah and I were outside waiting for the chicks concert and we like saw all these people coming in and Hannah was like, what's so cool is that like, Probably a lot of these people share our politics like the chicks do. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that moment. It's true. It felt I good. wouldn't have that at a Kelly Clarkson concert. No. No. Or a Taylor okay. Swift concert. Nope. Now I guess we'll find out. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so basically Kelly is privileged as a white woman who is plenty relatable in her way, has led to her commercial success. Her music is. And American Idol is geared towards America if America qualifies as like white audiences almost exclusively. Uh, her music's about Jesus, Christmas. It's about love. It's about divorce. It's about heartbreak. It's about weight gain. She's your aunt who bakes you cookies ahead of your football game. It's about all of those things in one. Yeah, she's not my aunt, but you know, she's like someone else's aunt in Texas who likes still buys you the CDs at Walmart for like yeah. Christmas and stuff. Good to clarify. Yeah. Listen, if you're buying CDs at Walmart, it's one step closer to buying CDs at Target where you can hear Hits Different by Taylor Swift off of her recent album Midnights, which I still have almost basically never heard except for clips on. Me too. So shout out to CDs. Just don't drag CDs into this. I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> I'm taking a stance. But do drag Walmart. <laughs> sure, that's fine. Sure. Yes. And you know, though, I I you know, I think about this a lot back to Olivia Rodrigo's comments from last year where she claimed that she knew any pop stars that weren't white when she was growing up, which wow, she conveniently forgot J Lo and Beyonce to just name a few. 
she's not totally wrong. 70% of musicians in this country are white. Um, and pop music is white an issue and a thing that we talk about often. And I really like this quote from Brianna Young from Vice, who she wrote an article in 2020 that summarizes the point, a self fulfilling prophecy emerges. If pop is a blank slate, the white musicians have been predominantly allowed to fill, then pop music comes to be defined by the sounds they are most comfortably and consistently inhibit. And this is sort of the overall feel for me, at least, that, that Clarkson's music and sound is something we expect and that we take as a normal pop sound and that mm-hmm. she's a white woman making music that is consumable to white America. And she is good at what she does. It's so true. She's very talented. She's very sweet. I want to hang out with her, not to sound like she's a politician running for president, but like, I want to grab a beer with her, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. She is people like us, mm-hmm. which I just learned was a song of hers this week, Becky. I had never Uh-oh. heard this song, but I was watching some, like me too. Kelly Clark. It's such a good song. I literally had never, ever heard it. She has many, many good hits. So she's had a long career. Yeah, it's true. I need to listen to her B-sides, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if this is one of them, but I'm sure she's got some like bangers that I've never heard. Yeah. You know what? I'll make you a playlist and also for the Patreon. (gasps) Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. I love Kelly as problematic or not problem. How problematic, not problematic she is. Yeah. 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 She's problematically (laughs) unproblematic. (laughs) Yeah. That's about it. Unless you guys have so many other, some clothing, clothing, closing so- thoughts. I do not have clothing or closing thoughts. Mm-mm. That's oh, our show. She some, oh. oh, she had some good hats. That's what that's just right. Clothing <laughs> thoughts reminded me that she, she used to wear some like sort of fedora. Oh, yes. You remember that? I blacked that out, but now I'm like, she had, she had a hat game. Yes, she has oh. that one outfit. I don't remember what she was singing, but it was on American Idol where she was wearing a fedora and like a tie on top yeah. of her shirt. Yeah. Like very as- 2000s. Very. Yeah. And like really, really low waisted pants. Mm-hmm. Whole vibe. It was a whole vibe. Yeah. She very Avril Levine. Honestly, when you think mm-hmm. about that, like that moment, that look, how I mean, that was 20 years ago. The fact that she has like a successful talk show and is a Wayfair spokeswoman right now that like is not that's like a big deal I mean I know that's what this whole episode was about but like I don't know that's it, none of that's guaranteed even though in the moment it felt like she was going to be a huge pop star um it could have you know it could have gone Ruben Sutter style like it could have been anything or could have had like five great years and then the rest was history and she's mm-hmm. like Clay again yeah Clay I hope Clay's doing great mm-hmm we love you, Kelly. That's our show, but it's not the end of this conversation. We can't wait to hear what you think. If you have a second and you want to support us, please leave us a review on iTunes or on your podcast app of choice. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the B-Sides podcast. We want to connect with you. Check out the show notes to find our Instagram, Twitter, and join our Discord, where you can link up with us and other progressives who love pop. Please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already, and consider supporting the B-Sides on Patreon. Until the next time we cut to the feeling, I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. I'm Hannah.